Hello and welcome back to Real Dog Radio. I am Mike Martin and it is that time of the year when everybody uh, has something to say about everybody else. <laughs> and so with me is Rob Bowron from Sharp Football. And Rob, I've uh, known you for a few years, always uh, love reading your stuff. It's uh, so insightful. Uh, first of all, tell us a little bit about Sharp Football. Yeah, um, you can find us at sharpcollegefootball.com. Um, we buy data from the same folks that provide data to the College Football Playoff Committee um, and then run it through some advanced statistical models. That's what I do for a living. I run data science for a consulting firm um, and then try to predict essentially how teams are going to do and give it matchups. But it's not just predictive, it's also descriptive. So if you get in and you want to see who's got the best rated pass offense, who's got the, you know, uh, who does the best at containing explosive plays or generating them, who's able to sustain drives, you can find that data, uh, you know, on Sharp College Football. Okay. Well, actually, you, you brought up, I think, what a lot of people have questions about is that Washington offense. Um, but first of all, have you ever seen a team go from a ground and pound, uh, big back through the middle type of offense and so immediately flip the script to where they go from that to the number one rated passing offense in the country? Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but somebody did it. I mean, like, if you look at 2019 Ohio State, they were graded out as the top running, uh, top rushing offense in all of college football that year. Um, and by the time you get out of the COVID year weirdness, um, but even then you saw Ohio State was flipping to a, a passing attack under Ryan Day. Um, now, what Washington did, I think, is sort of really remarkable is one, of course, as you're coming off of having a really disastrous offensive coordinator hire with John Donovan under Jimmy Lake. Um, and you switch that up under the new regime, bringing in a really good quarterback with Michael Penix, and, and they were really able to cook right off the bat. Um, but I, th I mean, I think it is, you know, being able to bring in somebody like Penix that is really familiar with what DeBoer is doing. He, DeBoer was his offensive coordinator at Indiana. That's the kind of thing that's going to allow you to make that kind of transition fairly quickly is that, you know, you're not going to have that year where you're getting the quarterback, you know, up to speed on what you're doing. Penix was clearly comfortable in the system from day one. Right. What were your, what were your predictions as far as, Washington last year how, how did how did um to throw yourself under the bus um why don't you tell us how you rated Washington last year yeah Washington coming into the year wasn't project I mean it's you, you don't you don't normally project outliers very well <laughs> and Washington's <laughs> offense was a huge outlier right um you know, I mean, like Washington, I had them projected at 25 overall, I think, last season. I mean, after the fall off from the prior year, but they, you know, they'd had some track record of being able to produce. They finished at 13 overall, which wasn't bad. Um, as far as predictions go, you know, normally the prediction model is going to get most teams within plus or minus 10, and it's going to get around 60% of the teams within plus or minus five of where they're going to finish overall. Um but the would would kill. I mean, Washington would of course utterly have blown away all the projections had the defense not fallen off. Right, the defense in the prior year, even though it was the worst Washington defense we had in a couple of years, was still at twenty five and twenty one, and they fall off, fell all the way down to sixty five overall. 
Yeah, and I, I didn't um, I, I didn't think Washington's defense uh, that year really was given enough credit. Um, now, something that is um, I, I find uh, interesting is uh, talking with a couple of the Washington defensive coaches. Uh, they talk about extra at bats, and while their efficiency uh, rush efficiency was pretty good. How yeah. much is skewed because Washington um, was in times so quick to strike on offense that it puts the defense right back out there, where the year before the offense was so bad that they put the defense right back out there. Um, so, But with this time, they're putting up uh, 35 points a game and putting the defense right back out there. How, how do you factor... Uh, something like that where, um, you know, there, there's a lot of yards, but yards per drive, uh, uh, points per drive wasn't horrifically bad. Yeah, I mean, the points per drive, I mean, the points per drive for Washington's defense was was pretty bad. But when you control for opponent, it improves. Um, but one of the things that, you know, for like, you know, this system controls for tempo. There's also pretty extensive research. That, I mean, it's uh, my hope is in the next couple of years that the sort of like, you know, if you have an offense that runs, you know, is able to score quickly or, you know, uh, and the defense is going to face more drives um, and that's going to wear your defense out is, is mostly an old wives tale. Um, there's extensive data from GPS sources that were used within the NFL that players on offense and defense get equally tired. Unsurprisingly, they're running the same amount. <laughs> so the argument that the defense gets uniquely more tired while the opposing offense does not um, doesn't really hold water. Also, as uh, if you look as the number of drives increase over the game, the actual points per drive tends to go down. Um, so this is, I'm not, that, that was not Washington's real problem last year. As far as extra at bats go, wasn't that their offense was scoring more quickly. Um, the question that you should be asking the defensive coaches for Washington, cause this is actually their job and they shouldn't just be putting this back on the offense. Why was their third down conversion rate allowed so bad? It was a 117 overall. That's giving the offense extra at bats is when you, you let them get so many first downs on third down. Yeah. Do you have anything that, that shows when those third down conversions were happening? Yeah, they happened throughout the game. Okay. <laughs> they were, okay. They were, well, so, like, I mean, defensive coaches always do this when they're like, it's the offense. It's not. This well, they, they weren't the one that you said that. I'm the one. They weren't the one that said that. I drew the inference where they yeah. said there's a lot more at bats. Um, yeah. So. You know that that helps. You know with, with extra at bats, it also helps with uh, Braylon Trice getting at the quarterback uh, more often. Yeah, yeah. But he was he was certainly quite effective and and produced uh, according to Pro Football Focus the the best uh, uh, pass rush rate in the country. Um, d- defensively, um, if you could. Pull one thing out of there. Where would you say that the that Washington, other than just getting off the field on third down, what area do you think that they would need to improve the most on to get off uh, the field on? I mean, third they were down? really bad defending the pass. It was sort of a flip from the prior season, right? And some of this is you guys lost a ton of guys out of that secondary, of course, right? Um, but the prior, I mean, like that old. You know, the, the Chris Peterson, you know, defensive system that came over with Kwiatkowski and then Lake ran too. Um, you really needed a space eater up front in order to be able to play two gap. 
um, with some of your down linemen in order to stop the run. And Washington didn't have that. So in 21, you could run on Washington, right? Um, but the pass defense was still pretty good. Last season, that completely flipped around. They they were able to plug some of the holes and rush, basically put together a, you know, a middle-of-the-road power five rush defense at number 30 overall. But they fell all the way down to 113 in effective pass. Everyone could throw on Washington last season. Um, and that's the real thing they're going to have to clean up coming into this next season. And, and look, they didn't force enough three and outs. They didn't force enough turnovers. And so, yeah, they had some decent sack numbers, particularly when they were facing like substandard competition. Um, but you know, like they're just, they're, they're going to have to be able to, to find ways to be more disruptive with that pass rush and actually make it count. Um, cause last year, regardless of what you think of the pass rush, like nobody on that defense, when it was, when it was time to throw the ball was doing much of a good job. Right. You, you list Washington as 16th most, most regressed defense. Um, you posted yep. that very recently. Um, so you, you, they have the, the guy there to eat the space. You have a couple of bringing in a couple of guys. Um, is it possible to see that defense, if they can shore up that back end, sort of, again, like the Washington offense did, flip that script? Yeah, I mean, I would expect significant improvement. I mean, when I preview, there's a preview video up on a YouTube channel for Sharp College Football Washington. I mean, I, I expect that the, the personnel didn't, like, this wasn't like a disaster personnel-wise for Washington for the most part. The roster was still in largely good shape. Um, now, they did, in the switch to the new scheme, you know, they they didn't necessarily, I think, have the bodies necessarily that they were looking for you know, all across that defense to be able to fill in. But I, I expect that they're like Washington, they're not recruiting like gangbusters, but they're doing pretty well. They've done fairly well in the transfer portal. If they can get up, I mean, last season they were a very bad power five defense. I think they could get to be a middle of the road power five defense, kind of in that 30 range. And if they exceed that, that's excellent because the offense should be really good. The offense was at six overall again last season. So um, that would put them in a position to, I think, sort of fulfill the promise potentially of like, you know, putting up another double digit win season. I guess really when you look at it as a, as a tougher schedule, you, you definitely, you're not missing anyone in the pac 12 this year. If you're the Huskies. Right. Um, let's, let's kind of move into uh, maybe a little bit more of the players. Um, last year they had Jalen McMillan and Roma Dunze over a thousand yards. What's the likelihood that they can repeat that? Oh yeah, I mean, there's gonna be there's gonna be. Pl- I don't expect Washington to run the ball more. <laughs> I expect them to continue to really lean into throwing the football. I think they're going to be excellent, you know. And my, and you know the the other part is is largely too is the Pac-12 only had one really good defense last season in Oregon State. Um, you know, Washington's not likely to face anybody out there that's got a real gangbusters defense that's going to push anybody's numbers down. Um, you know they're they're likely they're I would I would be shocked if they didn't repeat that again. Okay, with with uh, Polk, Bernard, Odunze, McMillan, um, do you, what do you see? Uh, four players over eight hundred, three players over a thousand. I mean, is it is it unprecedented to to kind of venture into that territory? It's, I mean, 2019 LSU exists, so, I mean, it's not necessarily unprecedented, but I think for Washington, right, like, 
they're going to certainly be up there. And you could, uh, I mean, I think USC made some good moves as well, getting Dorian Springer from Arizona. Um, there's going to be some really prolific passing offenses in the Pac-12 next season. Um, you know, like I, I think Washington's going to be able to, like I said, like put up some really good numbers. Because even though you're rolling on um, Utah and you're rolling on USC this season, USC's defense, we expect them to be a little bit better, but not, you know, like I mean, they're a little bit, they're, they're a worse version of Washington. They were even worse than Washington last season. Improvement for them is probably to like the middle of the road power five defense. Utah has been interesting because even though, well, I mean, like, even though they've been decent on defense in the Pac-12, they've really struggled depending the past past two seasons, and they, they lose Clark Phillips. Um, I just, I, I like, like, I think Washington's going to likely put up some really big numbers, you know, throwing the football around. And the schedule's not, you know, I mean, like, out, you know, within the outside of the conference, you get Boise, you get Tulsa, you get Michigan State. I mean, I think they're going to be able to put up some pretty good numbers against all of those. Okay. Do you, do you track um, to jump back onto the other side of the ball? Do you track missed tackles? Do you have any data on that? I mean, there is data available. Um, it's not something we run into the model on missed tackles. Um, I believe you can find it. Okay, I just didn't know if, if you had any because that was really a, a sore spot for a lot of people because so many times it seemed like the the defense was in the right position. Uh, but you go back and watch that Oregon tape, and um, they were they were whiffing uh, l- like most people against Randy Johnson. Um, yeah, you know, so it was it was kind of a it was a it was a poor tackling team for for a good part, and and you know in in the Alamo Bowl it actually started out where the Huskies were making those tackles, but later on they started to. Um, Missed the plot and started missing some tackles again, but that that's something where I could see the the Washington uh, defense really kind of improve across the board. Um, going back to to look at at Michael Penix, um, if if you did like a, a blind sample and put his numbers up against uh, Caleb Williams or or um, Maine, I think it's from North Carolina. Um, would if you if there'd been like a blind taste test, the old Pepsi versus Coke, would you be able to determine who should have won the Heisman last year, just off of those numbers? I mean, I so I'm always that person that's going to come back and look at it and just say like I need to see not only you know like their the raw numbers, but I need to see the quality of their schedule. Um, and I want to see what their overall offense creates out of that, right? Like, and the other part with with Penix though, and versus Williams is you just you have to take into account what Williams brings rushing. Washington graded out at number number six overall offensively. USC was at number four, um, so a bit of a better offense. Um, you know, they well Washington was at number one in effective pass. You know, USC was at number four in effective pass. I mean, I do think. You know, like the year that Williams had was not only, of course, you know, for what he did, um, you know, with the uh, oh, hold on one second, you know, not only what he did when he was when he you know was was uh, throwing the ball, but what he did when he was you know rushing as well. You know, ten rushing TDs, um, you know, three hundred and eighty-two on the ground. Those are pretty good numbers. Right. That's, I think if you look at that's what sort of won him the highs. And then USC still, of course, like gets a little bit better TV time. Um, 
<laughs> well, that, that's that's why I was wondering about the uh, the Pepsi Coke blind taste test. Um, you know, just yeah. I mean, they they threw for really similar numbers, right? Um, over the season, right? And you look. I mean, either way you go. I mean, I was one of the people last season that when coming into the year, a lot of people were saying like, "Oh, you don't know what you're going to get with Michael Penix." I said like, "Well, I know. We, I, I think I know what we're going to get for Michael Penix when we." put him back with Caleb or Kalen DeBoer um, and Nick Sheridan, who was his offensive coordinator in Indiana after DeBoer left, isn't his OC anymore, right? Like, um, turns out who's calling plays matters. <laughs> and that, you know, that Washington offense with him in place and with, you know, DeBoer there really took off. Um, I mean, I just, I, I think that, you know, Penix, has, Penix should be in the conversation this season more than he was last season. I think that, the, I don't necessarily know that it's a crime that, you know, uh, you know, Williams won the Heisman, but it's it, you know it's a crime that Penix wasn't more in the conversation for the kind of year he had. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree with with you on that. And I think they're they're getting ahead um, of it this year, where it seemed like uh, we ran a story in Week Four that Penix should be in the Heisman conversation, and it wasn't really until about Game Eight that that the nation really kind of sat up and took notice and and the the efforts uh the university kind of matched uh the efforts on the field for Penix. Uh, and I think some of that was was you know uh, holding the, your breath when he would get hit. Um yeah. you know do you yeah. start the campaign and and then uh he gets hit and, and then he's uh out at game 7 again. But uh, but you know he he proved that that he could do uh, everything. Were you surprised that he would come back after the year that he had? I, was, I guess I was a little surprised, given you know where, I mean, given where like Anthony Richardson got drafted, right? <laughs> um, you know, like you're. I mean, maybe he looked at it and he you know decided you know he could really some. And I don't know what. You know, I'm sure Penix got some very smart draft evaluation advice from people in the NFL um, on where he might be taken. Uh, and I think he, he may have decided to come back to, you know, you know, decide to be healthy, you know, show another year being healthy and, um, you know, really solidify his, his you know, status as a first rounder. But I was, I was probably, um, yeah, I was surprised. I mean, of all the people coming back, I wasn't. I wasn't maybe surprised that Bo Nix came back or, or Rising came back. I mean, they of course had the injuries last season, um, but I was a little surprised that Penix came back. I mean, uh, he, it, this, I mean, this year's schedule because you have USC and Utah on the schedule, he's going to have more opportunities. Almost all their really good games are late. So if he's you know if he's on a heater um, and they're putting up big numbers, like those games are going to be on you know TV um, in good spots, and people are going to see it. Yeah, and ho- hopefully it won't be um, the uh, 7.30 p.m. start when everybody uh, east of the Mississippi is already in bed. Um, well, you know, we're talking about about coming back and ways to improve, Jalen McMillan uh, was on with Pro Football Focus, and, and he said that they have uh, not even scratched the surface on the offense. Um, I think that with with Dylan Johnson, he's more of what the Huskies are looking to develop. Uh, he comes in out of um, out of Mississippi State uh, with one of the top rated pass catching running backs in the country. 
uh, he's been on campus since uh, since spring. Um, but the the couple of areas that I think statistically that they can improve are on um, fourth and short, third and short. Um, what what do you have kind of showing that right there? And and do you think that a, a guy like Dylan Johnson can really help with those situations? Yeah, they really, I mean, and it's hard to say because offenses, of course, possess choice, right? Like offenses get to decide whether they want to run the ball or pass the ball. Um, there's lots of ways to skin the cat in college football. You know, you can put up great offensive numbers running the ball, too. Um, so for Washington, I mean, they graded out at 80 in effective rush last season. Um, football outsiders had their line yards at 24 overall when they were running the football. That's not bad. It's a, it's sort of an inexact-ish advanced stat, but it gives you a direction, at least a directional idea of where the offensive line um, should get credit for the off- for the rush yards that would pr- were produced. Um, but yeah, they they definitely. I mean, I, I feel like for them, maybe to to your point, right? Like the bringing in a running back that can really catch the ball might open things up for them in the way that, um, you know, Clyde Edwards Hilaire was able to open up LSU's offense by being such a great receiving option um, as well. I think that's something that could potentially open up the offense for them by, you know, giving them ways to like really exploit teams that are trying to take away the deep ball. Um, you know, they'll be able to, you know, or just exploiting him on, uh, you know, a Texas route. Um, as well, like finding finding those kind of things makes this off. I would say would make this offense even more dangerous. Um, but yes, like being able to execute well and in short yardage and keep drives going, they were pretty good at that overall. They were number three in drive efficiency last season. They were really good at sustaining drives and putting up points. They were they were not just a big play offense. They they I mean, and, and Penix's completion percentage I think was is a big part of that. He really kept drives going. Um, but yeah, I mean. You're not wrong. I mean, like finding ways to execute more in short yardage, I think, would be helpful. Would add extra dimensions to the offense. But the part that I would probably get most excited about that might add more, a lot more points, is, is potentially like having a running back who can really catch the ball. To your point. All right. Um, overall, um, where do you, if if you are, um, if you're looking to find those biggest opportunities for improvement where do you see really where washington will probably be focusing their efforts uh this coming season i mean i think offensively i mean they graded out at number eight overall on explosive drives and that's really good but they were only about 85 percent as effective as georgia who was the number one team in explosive drives last was last season um, they could they have a little headroom where they could become a more explosive offense, I think. Um, and that's something to keep an eye on. I mean, they were hands down one of the most explosive offenses in the Pac-12. But, you know, when you grade out at number six overall, you're you're sort of looking around at some pretty, you know, exalted company up there with, the, you know, like Tennessee's offense last season or Georgia's offense last season. So that's probably what I would say. Um I would keep an eye on for them is like, can they, can they get more big plays out of the offense? Cause they're, they're number three overall on drive efficiency. And there, there is still some, you know, juice to be squeezed there too. Um, on the defensive side, I mean, really like they need to force more three and outs, force more turnovers. They need to make that pass rush, but I mean, pass rush, pass rush is highly correlated with interceptions. They didn't generate a ton of takeaways last season. Um, so the pass rush needs to pay out. Um, 
you know, and actually like, you know, lead to lead to some picks. And I, I know that the, you know, some of that is coverage too. And they were really bad in coverage last season, but I mean, I think for the main thing for Washington to take a step forward this season, that, I mean, to really like achieve the promise that this offense has, um, at least in wins and losses and not just in, you know, advanced statistics, um, is going to be the defense. The defense has to get better. Cause last, I mean, last season, like, yeah, they got to 11 wins, but they played. They didn't play the world's toughest schedule. <laughs> and, you know, it's going to get a little tougher this season. Um, and I think to get to double-digit wins again this year, um, you know, with the, the tougher schedule that they're going to have, you, you're going to need the defense to, to take the step forward. And that's almost entirely on defending the pass. All right. Well, um, I told you we keep it down to about 10 minutes and uh, 24 minutes, 25 minutes later, <laughs> here we are. <laughs> but uh, thanks for your time. And Rob, how can people follow you on social media? Um, are, are you on Instagram or is Twitter your gig or, or how can people keep track of you? I mean, you can find me on Twitter at BetaRankFB. Um, you can find, we have a YouTube channel, Sharp College Football website, sharpcollegefootball.com. Um, and we have a, you know, a, I don't, I don't know. I, I have, I had bots that I don't think will be able to work in the new, the new Twitter machine for Sharp College Football's <laughs> Twitter handle. Um, <laughs> but you can, you can follow there as well. Um, and I'm, I, you know, I try to get on there and answer questions as people have them and, uh, you know, generally engage, you know, how, the, the Huskies are one of the more engaged fan bases. We also do a Pac-12 podcast. I forget we're starting out again tonight. Uh, 12-pack radio. Um, and we're going to start kicking off the previews for that. We kind of took a break in the offseason. Okay. Um, well, that that's great. And that's 12-pack at 12-pack radio on Twitter. Yep. Um, well, great stuff as always. Thanks, Rob. And um, I'm sure we'll catch up a couple of times during the season and just kind of, uh, you know, d- do you do individual game uh, previews? I do. Uh, I tend to do, like, I do videos previewing six games. Um, and then for the Pac-12, uh, the 12-pack radio, we preview every Pac-12 game for that. But, yeah, like, we do, um, yeah, and you can, like, you know, there's a tool on the website where you can uh, look at the matchups coming into the, to the game. So you can look at the offensive and defensive matchups for you know, each team and see how you match up against your opponent's strikes and weaknesses. That is one of my favorite parts of your, your website. Um, I didn't know the answer, but I just wanted to give you the opportunity to explain it a little bit. Um, <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll catch up soon, Rob. Thanks for your time.